1: Dropping his old sweet song Wake up, wake up, you sleepy head. Get up, get up, get out of the bed Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red Live, love, love and be happy What if I be blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours When he starts rubbing his own sweet song I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again Singing a song When the red, red robin comes Bob, bob, bobbing along
2: Another game without a win as promotion hopefuls Plymouth run out 2 0 winners at Home Park, and now it's over seven hours without a goal for the Addicts as well. Welcome to Charlton Live. Charlton. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live. I hope you guys are well. My name is Louis Mendes. On this week's show, we'll be looking back at a yet another defeat yesterday, uh, beaten 2-0 down at Home Park against Plymouth Argyle. Joining me uh, to uh, have those conversations. First up, Mr. Joe Puddyfoot. How you doing, Joe? Yeah, good. Thank you
3: very much, Louis. I managed to get out of a family day today, so um, hopefully they don't look, watch YouTube and I'll be all right
2: yeah I, I love the way that you put charlton live above your family which is i think the standard that all of us should hold um i certainly do <laughs> and also joining us uh, a man who only uh, only elevates johnny williams above charlton live uh, is mr tom in hey and tom yeah, me and him are kind of
0: like family anyway so uh <laughs> yeah he, he's above charlton live but no i'm all right thank you yeah all good how are you
2: uh, yeah i'm I'm okay i'm okay i'm I managed to get back in reasonable time from plymouth yesterday uh so yeah it, it could have been a lot worse no trip Not to in terms a,
0: of... Pop World. uh
2: World? Well, obviously I stopped him for a couple on the way back but um yeah no Nathan, <laughs> um, or, uh... uh that yeah that's where he's been the last few weeks that, that's that's where he is <laughs> so um yeah so on today's show we we'll look back at that game with plymouth we'll, we'll hear the goal shortly we'll hear of course from uh, the Addicts boss, Dean Holden. We've got loads of fan reaction as well, but we want more. So those of you who are joining us live uh, on YouTube this morning, make sure you have your say on yesterday's performance. Uh, who stood out for you, good or bad? What changes would you like to have seen Dean Holden make, uh, perhaps to the starting lineup that he didn't or, uh, or anything like that? Uh, later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Lauren Creamer uh, from the Supporters Trust. Um, she's going to explain to us, uh, you, you may remember her, she was uh, the barrister who was involved in that that court case that was at the time between Tanu Namir and Chris Farnell's mob, if I remember rightly. Although, to be fair, so much has gone on since then. I, I, I'm just sort of going from memory there. But um, you were going to hear from her. So she's going to try and give us a little bit of understanding of the legal situation uh, that's going on at the moment with Charlie Mevin threatening legal action against Thomas Sandgard. Um we, We'll hear a little bit from her. Obviously, she's from the Supporters Trust as well. So if you've got any questions for her, again, feel free to put them in the chat. Uh, we can discuss whatever you want to discuss. Right. Uh, before we hear the goals, Joe, um, go on then. We, how, how would you pick the bones out of that one?
3: Uh, well, I'd just say, you know, last three weeks repeated really, isn't it? It's um, another team where we're not nowhere near their level. Um, they had gears to go up into um, throughout the game, uh, you know, tore us apart really when they needed to um and I thought we looked a little bit better in the second half when we we changed the formation up um but then that might just be my bias because I really hate us we're three in the pack I don't think we got the players for it um I, I know we looked good on Tuesday but I think that was just largely in terms of the the middle of the pitch we, we seemed to lack creativity you didn't really feel like we were ever going to score a goal and then um, of course, Ness having his little little moment felt sorry for him because uh, I don't think that um, I don't think that that necessarily is all his fault, but it's just one of those that, that it's going to be a bit gutting for him. So he's going to have to pick himself up a little bit, which I think he did do in the in the game. But yeah, overall, I think it's going to be a long trudge to the end of the season. And thank God we've just got rid of these four teams, and now we've got the three teams down the bottom. So that if we lose those, we can uh, really throw our toys out of the pram, I suppose.
2: Yeah, that's the that's sort of where I am at the moment. I'm thinking, right, we're going to go into a run of easier games where we have been a bit better recently. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if we if we start to pick up more defeats, then then I will start panicking. But at the moment, I'm calm, I'm cool, and I'm collected, Tom. And I'm sure you are as well. Um, are you looking over your shoulder, uh, even even with all this little run? We 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 we've, we've maintained a nine point gap above it, so I, I imagine we'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried yet uh as as joe said and i think as dean said post-match you know we've we've had a, a tough run um you know they're the sort of teams we want to be competing with of course um but this season we're not and so they that was a tough run of fixtures um and of course we haven't come through it as well as we would have liked but we're going into some games now where it's important we definitely don't uh, lose confidence and, and we get some points there um, i'm not looking over my shoulder because i think we will I think we'll be okay, Um, But obviously, you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out. The problem at the moment is scoring goals. And that's, what, nearly five full games, I think, without a goal. Uh, And that's the big concern. And and when you look at the side and you look at the players there, unless kind of Jez does some sort of miracle, or maybe we get a header from a set piece, uh, you wonder where the next goal is coming from. Uh, And that remains the concern. I know Carno got a little bit of a a go yesterday. I've just seen all all hell let loose and Lee Burn and Karno... Uh, and I talked about maybe playing two up front uh, at some point. And I know we, we tried that formation again yesterday, but not with those two. But, yeah, the goals is, is obviously the the obvious thing that's missing. Um, but a home game against Accrington next week and a full week on the training pitch, you'd think if we can't score in that, then maybe, yes, I will be looking over my shoulder at that point.
2: Yeah, well, let's uh, let's see how we go, shall we? Let's have a quick listen then back to the goals uh, from yesterday. Uh, on Charlton TV. As always, your commentators were Terry Smith and Greg Stubbley. Back underway, straight away. Nessus clearance comes off. Hardy, Hardy
4: is through, Hardy scores within seconds in this second half. Brian Hardy runs through, lost the ball over Maynard
2: Brewer. Eight seconds into this second half.
4: And Plymouth have got the lead.
5: Well, I mean... You want to start the second half on the front foot, or at least not on the back foot, and we do the exact opposite. The attempted ball forward, charged down. Was Lucas Ness's attempted ball forward, and Hardy doesn't need two invitations to finish that. Already the top scorer for Plymouth, and gifted his 12th of the season. Worst possible start for Charlton, in from too obvious. Edwards finds Cosgrove, it's Edwards again on a run down the Charlton left. He's got right overlapping on the right, He's to his right. Ball into the penalty area, ball cut back across, it's Ennis with a finish. And that's 2-0. And that's pretty much game over in the 86th minute unless the Addicks can do something remarkable here. The goal on the break, cut Charlton open on. The Plymouth right-hand side, the Charlton left. The overlap from right, ball back across, finished with a touch and finish. And it's uh, disappointing from a Charlton point of view, because it's at a time when we were really pressing, looking like we might get back in this game.
2: I'm done on the counter. Yeah, I'm done on the counter, but so I said it,
5: it's, it's
2: too obvious to try and target in so There we go. The goals uh, from yesterday. Um, I guess probably the main talking point, uh, you know, certainly up until they got that second goal late on, was was the way we conceded the first goal, Joe. After you know what felt like a fairly even first half, you know, I think Plymouth had just started perhaps to turn the screw before half time with Ryan Hardy having a couple of chances that. We got some good blocks on. You know, at the other end, we hadn't really shown a great deal, a couple of off-target shots from outside the area. But overall, I think I was reasonably comfortable at half-time. But, I mean, what disaster at the start of the second period. And, you know, it it couldn't have happened to to a player who probably deserved it less because Lucas Ness is is actually one of the ones who's actually quite good compared to, you know, pretty much the rest (laughs) of them.
5: Yeah,
3: he and he's my my first choice centre back. In a minute, I think he's the one that that you put on the team sheet first. Um, it, it's unfortunate looking back. It, it really it was a little bit of a disaster all round in terms of the, the restart. He he seemed to be very very close to to halfway, um, and, and obviously we've played it into him. He, he's got stuck in a little bit in his feet, and um, it it's it's almost like there was no. There was no call it was almost like there was no communication as well because it doesn't at any point look to the left and see in this and hector in acres of space not under pressure um uh, we've been changing our our kickoffs a little bit actually we did a couple where we went back to uh maynard brewer and he would kick it long we've done a little bit where the, the defense is set a bit deeper and we've kicked it long and now this one it just feels like we we sort of desperately scratching around for, for ways to play football um, and, and not be crap. But as soon as, as soon as he blocked it and he was through, he just knew, you knew where it was going to end up. And I think the, the the biggest contrast there is if that had been Bond who'd blocked that, I don't think any of us would have been expecting a goal. Um, But when you've got predators like that, the the mistake you make, it just means that you want, you're 1-0 down, there's there's a long way back from there. And as soon as that goal went in, the one thing I will say is, Innes, Hector, Maynard, Brewer, Claire, Dobbo, all just got straight around Ness and picked him up. It's good to see that that sort of team mentality. Um, you know, not not throwing blame. I haven't seen too much criticism of Ness either, um, which which mm. obviously could be a, unfortunate for a youngster. But yeah, talk about just absolutely gifting them the momentum right at the start of the second half, and that was game over for me. The two nil, yeah, uh,
2: was, was oh, consequential. Yeah, one good thing about us as a, as a club is we, we we give away so many mistakes now that we are really good at everyone sort of gathering together and commiserating whoever made it. Like, that's that's one of our fortes now. Um, I mean, there was a tweet that came in yesterday from Robert Kraut saying, please discuss the absolute lack of interest from Innes after Ness's mistake for the first goal. Switched on, he is not. It's disgraceful. It really is. He was jogging back. Now, I, I didn't see it like that, Tom. I just think he was slow. You know, I think he was trying to get back, but he... It looked like he was running through treacle. I mean, uh, uh, someone, someone put a clip of the goal up on social media soon after it happened. And I, I sent it to a couple of my mates saying, oh, dear, look, look, what, look what we've gone and done. And um, it, it was notable that one of my mates who's not a chomp fan saw it and said the covering defender was so slow trying to get back. I mean, that, that, that seems to be a part of the problem yesterday, which is why it wasn't entirely Lucas Ness's fault. We, we seemed to take an age to to, recover, to try and recover.
0: Yeah, and I and I to be honest, I think if you're conceding that early from from kickoff, basically, then uh I don't think you can lay all the blame at on one person. Obviously it looks that way because of, of the clearance and being caught out, but you're right, the other players have to pull together and, and sort that out. Um and I think it's just a case of starting slowly after half time, which is which is obviously very disappointing. But yeah, we spoke about it a little bit on Thursday, didn't we? About is there a lack of motivation? I know Terry asked Dean about it after the game as well, and he said, no, it's just a case of making sure they don't lose any confidence. But you do wonder with people like like this, or or even across the side, really, except the youngsters who are taking their opportunities. You wonder whether they are starting to think about next season already. I'm sure some of them are out of contract, and obviously we don't know what's going on with the club. Um, It's pretty clear that this season we're not going anywhere. So I know they're professionals, I know it's their job, but it must be harder to motivate yourself for a game when you're in this sort of position at this stage in the season, sadly. And when a mistake like that goes in, you just kind of, your head's dropped because you know you know, it's very unlikely we're going to score to get back in the game, given recent performances. So, yeah. Uh, look, Ness has held his hands up. He's apologised, I think, and you move on. Um, as, again, as Dean said, after the game, he's been one of the best players, I think, since Dean's come in. And he's still a youngster. He'll learn from this. Um, but Innes is experienced, uh, as Joe said, kind of got around him. So, yeah. A, a big mistake in terms of of the cold kind of whole defensive back line, but something that we can hopefully learn from and bounce back from.
2: Mm. Uh, Freeman says uh, it was rubbish. We are literally not able to compete with the top teams in the division. I don't see it changing uh, anytime soon. I mean, In terms of competing, you know, th- th- there was a competitive element to the final 25 minutes or so when we made that triple change. Um, Lee Byrne, Carner, and Blackett Taylor coming on, Joe that That's sort of something I'm clinging on to at the moment as well is that we are struggling when we're leading the line with bond and and we will speak a lot about his performance very shortly um but when um when when we do have that firepower off the bench, then we do look at it better, and that that's something I will cling on to is like that's why I think we'll pick up the three or four points requisite to stay up. That that's where that's where I am at at the moment. They they made a bit of a difference, even if we didn't quite do the the seemingly impossible at the moment and have a shot on target.
3: Yeah, I mean, they would be my my starting strikers over Bond personally. Um, I think that uh, now now for the rest of the season, it's about really building into next season, and if we're doing that with mccauley bond then um i'm going to say we need to start building for the season after that so <clears throat> for me it's, it's lee burn and khan who have got to be your two and as well as having those two up top who you know had a bit of pace were powerful causing problems i thought the benefit of having raksaki and blackett taylor back out wide as well um also helped us in terms of getting um getting into positions where we could create opportunities uh but you know it's too it is too little too late and it was too little too late in, in many ways and you can see that we haven't necessarily trained in the 4222 formation that we we went to because just even the patterns of play weren't necessarily there and um I would have liked to have seen Henry come on um for for Kilkenny probably at the same time as well, to, to have a bit more of a ball-playing um, sitting defender, uh, sitting midfielder, sorry, in there, to try and get the ball distributed a bit quicker out to Racksacky and Blackett Taylor too. But yeah, I'm I'm pinning all my hopes on on those guys up front for the rest of the season. So I think that they are going to be a lot better at, at creating and scoring opportunities than, than what we're seeing with Bon up there, you know, in a two, in a one, not a lot goes to him. And, and certainly, very little sticks to him. And the one that does go to him, he's offside.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, all hell let loose. I said Lee Burn and Carnu three times. I mean, that that that's where we're at at the moment. Is he wants a team full of them, uh, Lee Burns and, and Carnu at the moment, which is fair. Um, Ian says uh, we have so many average players. We did well to get money for O'Connell. He's been dropped at and been a bench warmer for the last three games, and he was regarded as our best centre half. Uh, which <laughs> Uh, sort of sums up how the, the season has gone. Right, let's let let let's delve in then. Let let let's open the Macaulay Bondor. All uh, all hell let loose. Says is Bond a better option off the bench than a starter? I mean, he's definitely a better option on the bench. Um, uh, four hundred and twenty days without a goal for macca You know, he did stray offside quite early on yesterday. I think that was the only time he was offside in the game. But it, for a striker. You know, strikers are confidence players, Tom, and his confidence must be through the floor at the moment. His confidence is in danger of, sort of surfacing in Australia at the moment. That's how low low it is. And he's not uh, an option for us. He, he, he cannot start games for us at this moment in time, but he does.
0: Yeah, he, he needs time out of the firing line. I said that on Thursday. Uh, I said I feel sorry for him and I stand by that. But first and foremost, I'm a Chant fan. I'm not a Macaulay Bond fan, so... For, for me, we have to get somebody else in there that can lead the line for us. And I think he's been a little bit hamstrung, as I say, because of the state of the club at the moment anyway. Um, I don't think he works in a one. And again, I think I said that on Thursday. I think he needs someone alongside him. And I don't think this current formation with kind of a, a winger, an inverted winger or a, or a Jack Payne alongside him is quite right. You want somebody, even him and Leburn, I think maybe might work. But at the moment, he just needs some time. And as I say, out of the firing line, um, as you just said there, you know, strikers are confidence players. We saw the same with Stockley. When they go on a run, you just think nothing's going to work. Absolutely nothing. Because in that first spell with us, balls up to him did stick and he wasn't getting offside as much. He was finding that line and and just making the the run at the right time. And now he's a little bit desperate, isn't he? And so he's making that run a little bit earlier. He's trying to make things stick. And as a result, they're not. Um, And I don't think it's for lack of effort at all. I think he really wants it to work. And I wonder how different it would have been had it, that goal gone in and in that first game when he came on off the bench rather than kind of setting something up. But look, as I say, I'm a Charm fan, first and foremost, as is everybody that's either watching or listening to this. And, and for us, we need a striker up there who can score goals. And sadly for McCauley at the moment, that's not him. Carniv um, kind of obviously had a little cameo yesterday. I know Dean spoke to you after and said, you know, we don't want to rush him in. Uh, but as all hell let loose has said, why not? Why not give him and Lee Burn a go? They're the future. They're the youth. They're the players that are going to want to prove a point. Um, give McCauley some time on the bench and and you never know, maybe he could be a better option coming off that if we are two goals up in a game, you know, get him on when, when we're comfortable and, and give him some space there, so yeah, I do feel for him, I do, uh, and I don't think he's not trying, but it's just not working for him and it wasn't working for his previous club either and that's why he's been so long without a goal
2: Yeah, 420 days. Um, Joe, Kanu, then, as, as uh, Tom mentioned there, we, we, we saw that cameo from him. I thought, I thought he looked lively. Um, you know, certainly a suggestion there. We, we should hopefully see a bit more game time from him. And as Dean says in his interview, which we're going to hear shortly, you can't overload these these young players because, you know, we've seen it with plenty over the years, even like the likes of Deji Eleraway recently. You know, we, we gave him really high hopes when he came in. Charlie Barker, you know, they, they have a couple of good games, but then the reality sets in that they are youngsters and it is a tough step up. So we don't wanna we don't wanna overdo it, but I'd certainly would love to see a lot more of Carnu between now and the end of the season.
3: Yeah. Um, but for every Elaweri um, example, we've got Ness, who has come into the side and has taken his chance and is, you know, pretty much up there for player of the season for me. Um probably Dobbo will win it because he's been in all season, but I think it's gonna be a very close contest. Um so it you know, it's not it's not impossible for these youngsters to come in and have a good run of form. Even Bond, when he first turned up and came in, had a, a, a blistering start, really scoring goals all over the place. So you've got to give him the opportunity to learn in a season where it doesn't really matter, because it could be next season. You know, we might be right in the double drums down the bottom. But, you know, there might be a miracle. We might have an outside shot of the playoffs, and you get your injuries that you can get, and then you have to throw Carno in. You're thinking oh, why didn't we blood him a little bit more, get him a little bit of experience last season? And even Lee Burner's had good games and bad games, but you're not going to learn unless you're out there. And he's certainly not going to learn as much playing 90 minutes in the under-21s as he is going to be playing 30 minutes and the occasional 60 minutes for, for us at the minute. And and the pressure really is off the youngsters, I think, because um, the fan base know that the season's over. Um, so if he comes in and has a bad game, pull him out. Absolutely fine, no problems with that. But... You've got to give him the opportunity, I think, to have a bad game and give him the opportunity to take his chance just like Ness has. And he's got players like Ness in the squad that he's been playing with for for a while. Henry's been around there for a while. There there are players in and around him that that, that are going to make him feel a bit familiar. And Henry's another one that I'd be giving minutes to now, certainly over the likes of of Kilkenny. um, Who, is he going to be here next season? Probably not. So let they, they start building in terms of getting those minutes into these youngsters and give them the opportunity to shine and and learn.
2: Yeah, all hell let loose. Says would bringing in too many youngsters at the same time be detrimental to their development? I guess to an extent as well. If if you all of a sudden just field the entire under twenty one team, then obviously that won't help. You want you want to bring in one or two who can sort of learn from the well, hopefully not learn too much, <laughs> judging by watching the rest of them, but learn from the experienced professionals around them. Um, that that. That you know that, that that's the sort of experience that the players gain when they come into the side. I thought um, I thought Michael Hector was good yesterday, Tom. Um, yeah, that that was a, a slight encouragement for me. Obviously, you know, defender who hadn't played a great deal had had his struggles at uh, the Derby game where he gave away a couple of goals. But yeah, I thought I thought he looked all right yesterday. And that's that's something to try and cling on to because obviously we we do need options at that centre back position, especially if we are going to persist with playing the three, which we have done over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I think overall I've been really impressed with him. I think, was it Forrest Green, his debut when he came in, was making some big old meaty clearances and then, as you say, then went into the Derby game the following weekend and, and struggled. But I, I think the whole team didn't. I think we were quite clear about that at the time. But then since then, I think he's been good. As we spoke about on Thursday show, you know, he got around Jez and kind of marshaled him well on, on Thursday when it looked like he was going to get a red card. Um, and I think he's got that leadership quality in him, um, definitely. I think he's got that game experience in him, which, as we say, somebody like, like Luka Ness doesn't have yet. Uh, and yeah, I think he's a good option. And it's interesting, obviously, somebody mentioned O'Connell earlier, and, and I was another one who thought he was going to come in and do well. Um, and obviously, that didn't work out. Sam Lavelle, obviously, I don't think ever ever worked out, really. Um, Inis, you know, it's the hot-headed bit. But apart from that, I think he's a relatively competent defender, but other than that, you're kind of looking around and you're thinking, well, we're going to need to make some signings in that back line. You don't want to have to be relying on, on Ness week in, week out. And I think if we can keep hold of Hector, I don't know what his deal is like, but if we can keep hold of him into next year, I think he's somebody that you'd want to build that back four around because he's a leader in that in that position. If we've still got Dobbo as well, uh, which is obviously a big if, I think there's a couple of leaders there that you start to build that spine that the likes of Boya did, um, the likes of Powell did when we went up with kind of Stevens and Hollands in the middle. And I think you need that if you're going to get out of this division. And I just don't really feel like we've ever had that this year. Um, We've talked about up top already, Um, but I think throughout that spine, It just hasn't really been there. So, yeah, maybe maybe if we can keep them both, then I think that's an option.
2: Mm, Yeah, Small Bear said, Bond did nothing at QPR, struggled to score one in every four games in a competitive promotion chasing Ipswich side. He is not the answer uh, and never was. I've just remembered, actually, Joe, uh, just on the stroke of half time. It's irrelevant now, I guess, but... Uh, Michael Hector doing his old Steve Brown impression there with the, with the uh, did you think it was handball like the block from Hardy so Hardy had a shot that rebounded off the goalkeeper and then he hit it from a tight angle now it, it became a bit of a debate in the um, in the press gantry at half halftime uh, everyone down my end of it was like that was a handball and everyone down Terry Smith's end of it was like that's not a handball so um, yeah which way did you see it?
3: Just out just of interest, when you say everyone down Terry Smith then, do you mean Terry Smith? Um, yeah.
1: Because...
2: <laughs> I think he sort of suckered Greg in a little bit in his aura. But yeah, pretty much. But I don't know if he was doing it to try and wind up a Plymouth guy as well. There was a Plymouth guy who started having an argument with him. So he's like, no, nah, it's never a, it a hand pull. But yeah, I I personally thought he was. What did you think?
3: <clears throat> I'm going to set a dangerous precedent and agree with Terry Smith. Um, the, The reason being... Um, so I thought his, I thought the other one that he gave away a few weeks ago was a handball because he leant with his body in with his arm, whereas I feel like it was very very close. His arm was to his side, and he was just trying to get his body in the way. There's not a lot that he could have done, short of not trying to get in the way of get, get in the way of the ball at all. Um, I don't think he moved his arm towards it, and so yeah I that's that's my opinion on it and, and I think c- I could understand why it would be given if the was there it probably would be given but I think that generally football has moved to everything kind of being handball and and sometimes y- y- your arms attached to you um and short of having them cut off before the game I'm not really sure how, how you're going to get out of the way of some of the some of the things that are handball so yeah I'm 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 minded to to lean that way but you know, I, mm. I saw at the time you thought that uh, maybe we we're getting the scores leveled up from referees for a change. Um, but yeah, yeah that, anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter I, because we gave them the goal anyway, so we're just a generous club.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I thought, yeah, after the, after the fact that Saki didn't get sent off in midweek, and and we and I I felt like we got away with a with an obvious handball on the goal line yesterday. It would have been a red card uh, as as well. I I thought finally that the, the rubber to green is turning. Somehow we need to turn this into points though, because normally when you get Decisions like that, you can sort of claim that that you've got some points out of it as well, which uh, obviously hasn't been the case. So, what what did we say? Seven hours and eighteen minutes without a goal now, Tom. Um, that's that's got to end at some point, has not it? I mean, Dean Holden, when I spoke to him in midweek about the the goalless runs, didn't want it to become a thing, but but it is a thing now. That's where we are. I, I was giving half hourly updates yesterday <laughs> just to just just to just to reiterate that it is a thing, unfortunately um do you think it plays on the mind of the players or or as i say to dean in the interview will he take the fact that we did improve when those three came on and we did look a threat without actually you know forcing the goalkeeper to make a save but there is there is something that we have scored goals at at times this season i'm not i'm not going to get too overly concerned unless it goes for another couple of games i think
0: i was uh touting myself as a potential new owner on thursday so i'll tout myself for a spot in the uh starting lineup, at Accrington, I think. I'll give myself half a chance, but I don't think it's probably weighing on the minds of the players that much, no. Um, I think, uh, as we've spoken about, I think Bond leading that line has been an issue, and, and I think his own goal drought is, is obviously significantly longer, so I think that plays plays a part, but yeah, I, it's one of those things. I think, as you say, we have got into positions. We, it's just between the two boxes, we look all right, even against some of these teams we have looked okay. Um, and it's just at either end, which is obviously where the game really matters, that we have struggled. But I think that we're back at home uh, against a team that are, are not up there. Um, and, and it's an opportunity, I think, for, for somebody to get a goal. Lee Byrne's obviously been rested a little bit. Um, so I wonder if he will come in and start uh, on home, uh, at home on Saturday. Um, and if we've got then Karnu and Bonners available, if Raksaki and Blackett Taylor, who, as Joe said, when they're play, both playing, are better, I, I'm sure we'll score at the weekend. I'm probably setting that up for a fail, but I, I'm sure we'll get a goal at the weekend. and uh, And then, yeah, then it's forgotten about, hopefully, and we can try and move on.
2: Yeah, well, just, just just so you know, I have uh, made an Excel spreadsheet to keep adding up the minutes. Um, so <laughs> uh, that's uh, it's always an indication of when we're not doing very well is when I have to get the old Excel out to, to work out the stats. So I did say earlier that we were opening the uh, Macaulay Bondor. Mitch on Twitter said it's creaky and it's not fit for purpose. Well, we've still got more comments to come to. We've got Lauren from the Supporters Trust uh, joining us uh, later as well. She's just arrived in the waiting room. You'll be pleased to know. Uh, but we haven't heard from Dean Holden yet. So let's hear what the Addicts boss uh, had to say after yesterday's uh, game, I spoke to him uh, pitch side at uh, Home Park and this is what he made of yesterday's performance. 2-0 loss here at Plymouth. I guess it all started to go wrong at the start of the second half. It had been quite an even first half before that, but a mistake from Lucas.
6: Yeah, and no, to be honest, he just apologised in the dressing room to the group, which is a mark of the man. Um, he's been the outstanding player since I come to the club on and off the pitch. I've uh, been really pleased with what he's done. So he's got nothing to apologise for. He, it was a clearance that was blocked and within 10 seconds of the second half starting there, obviously 1-0 up the, the second in the league, the, the flying high at the moment. So you know, that was obviously going to be difficult from there on in. I think Lucas personally responded really well. I didn't see any drop in his performance, which I was really pleased with because that's as a young player, that's never easy. A big crowd and a lot of pressure, so you know, fair play to him for that. Obviously, he's got to rectify and learn from that, which he will. Um, we threw the free subs on, I thought we'd given problems. Um, I think around the 60 minute mark probably up until 75 we had a real good spell of pressure we had a lot of moments around their box crosses into the box just couldn't quite get on the end of something and I think they scored the second on 87 minutes one we had a set piece that we didn't quite get right attacking and obviously they've had a quick counter attack and we didn't quite get the pressure right at that point and, uh, and the ball's in the back of our net 2-0 and, but again the bigger picture Louis he's, he's um, since beating Forest Green we've had a period of a fortnight now we've played three teams in the top four I think whatever it is and uh, lost by the old goal obviously, obviously other than today and you know the bigger picture is that we got the five wins early you know when we first came in which was really important and now we're taking a little bit of pain in terms of results this last three or four games um, our fans are an intelligent bunch they know, they know obviously where we're at as a club you know where we want to get to and it's it's frustrating it's not easy being a Charlton athletic fan at the moment is it um and you know i appreciate we appreciate them, them clapping the boys off at the end and uh the biggest thing in all things like this is, is you stick together. You keep believing in what you're doing. Uh, you keep believing in the way that you're working and um, and I know things will change. Um, we've got a run of games now which are completely different to the ones that we've just had in terms of teams in the division. So, yeah. you know, Our fans will back us again next week and we'll look to put it right.
2: Yeah, In terms of things changing, I guess you, you, you'll hang on to the fact that when you made those three subs that Charlton started to pose a bit more of a threat. Obviously, the, the goalless run has continued but it's something you don't, you don't want to concentrate too much on. I guess you'll look at the positive that you did start to turn the game in the second half.
6: Yeah, and again, we've you look at the chances and the shots on goal. is low. It's not even. It's, it's it didn't, didn't register. I don't think. But in terms of action around the box and moments, they're just the yeah, fine margins. And um, we have to keep working. There's no easy way of getting away from that. We, as, as I said, we played against some, some good teams in this division recently, so there's no secret to it. The biggest thing is it's guarding against any sort of lack of confidence, loss of confidence within the group because we've lost a few games. I don't, I don't want like that. We, 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 we always look at what we need to improve on not whether the result's good or bad but it's a case of keeping everybody bubbly keeping everybody upbeat it's not easy for anybody and um, stick together it's the biggest thing
2: Yeah, how, how do you think you can do that over the next few days just with that difficult run that you're coming off the the end of now?
6: I will address the performance and the result as we always do and um, you know, I'll be the brightest bubbliest one in the training, great training ground Monday morning that's my role that's who I am anyway we've lost a couple of games of football in the last couple of weeks which is don't get me wrong it's no one's as angry as I am. My face doesn't always show that, but uh, I know the bigger picture. I know where this club can get to and that, I love a challenge and that's the reason I came here. And um, it's no more less or more difficult than it was two months ago when I walked through the door. Um, I love being the manager of this football club. It's a wonderful football club and you, know, you see today there's a full house in and you can see that expectation from the home crowd because of the, the way that the season's gone. That's what we that's what we're looking to achieve, certainly next season.
2: A lot of fans have been hoping to see a bit of Daniel Carnou in this this closing stages of the season. What did you make of him coming in today? It was
6: excellent when he came on. He, thought it was, he, thought it was, he gave them real problems, obviously. We know how quick he is, and um, that's why I played him in the first two games, actually, getting the job. I could see that he's, he's probably one of the few in our squad that wants to run in behind and can do it as well physically. So you now him and Miles linked up well. I thought they did well when they came on the two of them.
2: I guess where Chotlin are on the table now, does that perhaps give you a little bit more freedom to give him a few more minutes between now and the end of the season?
6: I think we're all. Yeah, I think we. Of course, we, we start looking towards next season. Of course, we do. Don't get me wrong. There's still a, 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 there's a decent enough gap from the from the teams at the bottom, but we can't get complacent with that. You know, we, we're never safe until we're safe. Um, and two months ago, that was looking in jeopardy, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, we got to get the balance right. Of course, we do. But you've, I mean, you've seen in all the games I've played, we've used Aaron Henry, we've used Albie Morgan, with Lucas and uh, Maynard Brewer have been obviously mainstays in the team we have seen bits of Daniel, and obviously Miles has been injured recently, but he's played a lot of football. So no, it's not a case for me of being scared to play the youngsters at all. If they're, if they're fit and available and they're ready, then, and they look like they're ready to come in, then they'll play. Just finally
2: lost uh, your assistant and um, Scott. Uh, I think he's going to, to Colchester. Um, <coughs> what does that mean for you now? Is, does that mean Anthony's going to get a, a step up, or are there are other people you might look to try and bring in to be your assistant?
6: Anthony's been. Anthony and Scott have worked really well um, since I've been in the, in the job. Um, Anthony's been my main sort of assistant manager since I've been in anyway. Scott's uh, helped around a lot with that. Obviously he came to see me on sort of beginning part of the week or midweek and there was an opportunity for him to move on that he wanted to take. Um so I was never going to stand in his way at that point. It does give us the opportunity to to replace Scott, whether that's now or the end of the season we'll make a decision on, but we wish him well. Cheers. Of you. course Watson's indeed, that you you know, right until the end you're in this game and you know, at times there wasn't a lot to choose between the teams. Um We've proved this season, mate. Like we beat this. We beat them five-one at home, didn't we? Prior to me coming in, we've proved that we, you know, the players, in any given day, can can give a good account of themselves. Keep talking about fine margins. I mean, you can't really legislate, obviously, for that first goal. You know, it's a little bit the way it's gone for us at the moment. Um, we certainly don't get down about it. Not at all. No, we. Well, yeah, I'm always positive. You know, I'm always positive. Whether we lose a game or win a game, I'm always thinking next day. Right, how come? How come we now go on a run again? And that, that'll be the case tomorrow. You didn't have a lot of luck as well in the final third. <laughs> did you? A lot of good play in and around the box,
0: but it didn't kind of translate into.
6: Probably goals. didn't drop for us, if we're being honest. But you can't rely on that. You know, you've got to, when the ball was. You know, however you get there, and, and whether you go in behind teams or whether you play through the pitch with an extra pass, it doesn't matter. Once you arrive there, you need to have that bit of craft and that bit of a bit of gale, and that's. Obviously, why strikers are paid so much money at the top level of the game, aren't they? And um, yeah, we just at the moment we're just lacking in that part of the pitch. But not it's not for want to train. You have played a lot of the top teams in the last few weeks. How do you see the automatic promotion race? Do you think Plymouth will be in and around um, I Don't care to be honest. Nah, no, I, <laughs> I, think I think you might I mean, yeah. No, listen, I know Shrewy well. He's a good he's yeah. a good manager, and they've had a good season. And you know the flying eye, obviously, but which have come recently have turned the form around again. But no, they are concentrating on us. So, start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on slash achieve today.
5: Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pisses there. Bowers of up. And it's done. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's
1: done. Oh, he's gone. Oh, Patrick Barr. You absolute German beauty. Dreamlines. Charlton has gone! With seconds remaining, we've done it! Get in! Come on! What That's a time nice. to be here! Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my word!
5: Charlton live!
2: Right, welcome back to Charlton live. Uh, we just heard there from the Addicts boss. Uh Dean Holden, who uh, does not care about the um the automatic promotion race, and and nor do we because we are so far off it. We uh I, I, I don't even know what it's like. You yeah, know what is automatic promotion? I can't remember what that means. Um, yeah, good to hear from 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 Dean Holden there. Um, yeah, uh, we haven't even spoken about Scott Marshall. I forgot he'd left, <laughs> even though I specifically asked him about him yesterday. I mean, he'll 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 go down as one of the, the 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 greatest of all time, one of the club legend. Uh, uh, they're, they're thinking of building a statue of him next to. It's a Sam Bartram, Joey. Would, would, would you be in favour? Uh,
3: well, I mean, it's been a while since we've had a statue. Um, so uh, I suppose it'd
1: be,
3: <laughs> be, be something to look at when you go to the Valley because there's not been a lot of that <laughs> this season either. Um, I'm, I'm actually really happy that Marshall's gone. Um, uh, just, well, uh, just look, I think... Holden himself said in like the early weeks, and I, I've clung on to it a little bit. I'm not going to lie that he's he's not the best tactically, and but what he is really good at is the people management. Um, and so I'd I'd like to see him get that person in and around the the back the backroom staff that that can fill in those skill gaps that he's got. And for so long we've had assistants and uh, first team coaches that are just inherited for managers, and the top managers at the top level they take their backroom team with them. So he needs a chance to go. You know what? This is what I need help with, which, based on the current football, might be defensive, might be attacking, it might be all of it in terms of getting us to play a bit more, uh, more competitively across the park, and 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 build a team that, that enables him to, to to leverage his strengths and and work on his weaknesses. So, it, hopefully, it will help us in the in the long run. Um, just get rid of that mm-hmm. dead wood because let's face it. Yeah, that's all he is really he's Gardner's man in Holden's team
2: yeah there we go Sam says that with Scott leaving uh, I feel uh, Dean should look at replacing him now as they uh, would bring fresh eyes and a different perspective yeah which is similar to, to what you said Ray Anthony saying we should bring Steve Brown in um, I'd, 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 I'd be surprised if Brownie was up for it um, yeah that's yeah. I'll leave it there. Uh, John says, uh, do you think the uncertainty of Holden's contract is lingering over the players at the moment? Maybe. I, I wonder if that's one of the excuses we sometimes give players. We always dive into things. Like, I-, I-, I probably would have asked a similar question at times, but you know, who knows? Maybe they're just not very good footballers and they haven't been for a couple of years. And, um, that's why, you know, Dean Holden's contract wasn't a problem last season when we were in mid table. So who knows? Morning to, uh, Jonathan West, uh, Says, uh, come on, you up beats Yeah, hope you hope you are, Jonathan. I imagine you'll be down the Valley later for the uh, women's team game as well. Anyone who's watching uh, live this morning, don't forget, two o'clock down the Valley, the women's team uh, are playing Southampton. It's her game, two day, uh, her game two day at the Valley for the women's team uh, today and then next week uh, for Atkinson as well. Uh, and John also says, we're struggling at uh, both ends of the pitch. Uh, we need a proven striker. They cost money and a strong back line, which will cost two. Uh, the middle seems all right, though, which is not uh, possible. Uh, Ian says, uh, "Why would Dean Holden become permanent if a takeover could happen? He needs a number two. Players are unsure. You know, uh, the better players will jump ship, and that's the uncertainty, isn't it? That's a problem. And then, just uh, finally, before we hear from the fans, Bar Dan uh, Lee Burn and Carney should start every game. The partnership could be our only hope for next season. Not sure Henry's all-round game is good enough, uh, but we should give him a chance. Yeah, Aaron Henry is a bit of an enigma at the moment. We haven't seen a great deal uh, from him. Right, let's uh, hear some uh, from some more supporters. I spoke to a couple at uh, Plymouth train station." Uh, after yesterday's game this is uh, our views from the Vans bar uh, from our trip uh,
4: down to Plymouth um, it's an interesting one I didn't think Plymouth did a lot but it, again it's the same problem we've had for the last three games we've just got nothing up front and we don't do look like scoring so I expect to get anything from the game we don't score a goal well yeah really what do Charlton need to do to end their run without scoring a goal Play Daniel Carnou more often. I mean, let's be honest, he come on, he ran past the centre half three times, and we didn't do that for the first hour. Um, I think you've got to give more to youth a go now. I mean, the season's done, it's been done for over a month now, so give more to youth products a go and then just get to the end of the season now and start it again. It was
8: a rocky start, I guess. He I mean, was attacking well, going forward a ball, we just couldn't make anything of it. The, the end product hasn't really been up to scratch as what we'd like it to be. Um, Daniel Carnou coming in probably done more in the half hour than what Bonner's done in his nine games so Shame for yeah. Lucas
2: Ness as well because he's been one of our
4: more consistent players since he's come into the side Yeah he's done well since
8: he come in I mean
4: he's only human he makes a mistake <laughs> let's be honest it probably wouldn't happen again but here's what it is it just sums up the season doesn't it so look let's, we've got ten games left now whatever it is gets it the end of the season start you again
8: start finding the back of the net I guess simple as um, enough said
2: Would you like to see changes that top?
8: Uh, Yeah, I'd I'd like to see uh, Kanu play a bit more with with Lee Byrne as a two, have a five midfield and three at the back. Stick Brack Sackley wide and uh, Blackley Taylor wide as well. So hopefully that'll give you the attacking mobility going forward, balls in the box. So when you do, keep getting the ball in the box, because we're not doing enough of getting the ball in the box to finish up with a header or, or a volley or whatever needs to be done. Yeah,
2: and just you know, finally, someone when I was walking up here was trying to tell me that they're still ever so slightly nervous looking over their shoulder. Do you think we're in any danger like that?
4: No, I don't think we're in any danger. I think now we've got teams that are around us now, and I think we, we can pick up the points, get to safety, and then just reassess in the summer sort out who wants to be here and who doesn't want to be here and then just rebuild and go again next season?
8: Yeah, no, it was uh, very, very unfortunate. There's, there's not much really you can say about it. It's just, just one of them things at the end of the day. there's uh, You're always going to have a hiccup here and there, but heads up on to next week.
2: Are you nervous about teams catching us below? I'm, I'm not particularly, but a couple of people have said they are.
8: Uh, no, personally, I, I'm not too worried. I mean, you, you've got to look you you got to look at the, um, the facts. You, you sort of get to March time, where we are now. Um, where you are in the table is where you're going to finish up and that's going to be mid-table for us.
2: There we go. That was our fuse from the fans bar uh, after yesterday's game. Thanks for everyone who uh, spoke to me uh, on the platform at Plymouth Station. Uh, always one of my favourite parts of an away day is uh, is catching up with other fans and we can have our, our little group therapy sessions there as, uh, as we uh, reflect on yet another defeat. But always good to have uh, other voices on the show. And we're about to add another one now. So let's uh, welcome uh, to the stream uh, from the Supporters Trust, Lauren... Creamer, and I've only just seen your tagline. That lawyer, <laughs> lawyer bird, is joining us on Chotan Live. Uh, Lauren, thanks for joining us. How are you?
7: Morning. I'm
2: well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming. Um, it's it's a very interesting time at legally in Se7, which is again is something we've probably been saying for way Always too long. Always an interesting time yeah, legally um, in Se7. Yeah. I mean, when when I was a young supporter growing up, and we're in the Premier League, I don't think I knew the name of any lawyers. Um, no. Nor me. No. no. I've, known, I've known the name of too many now. Um, yeah luckily you're no chris farnell you're you're sort of on our Thank you. side um so <laughs> <I'll take that. laughs> um, yeah so obviously you represent the the supporters trust obviously you yeah. sort of shot to, shot to fame if you will uh, as part of that um that court case between so it was between Tanoon and like farnell wasn't it is that right
7: it was good question because we said to the court <laughs> early doors farnell had acted for every single person and more involved in that case um but it was between uh, Lex Dominus, which was p- the company that Paul Elliott had had set up and, and his cronies and, you know, query whether Farnell was one of those at the time. Um, and Panorama Magic General Consulting LLC, which was Tanoon's UAE company, um, which yeah, many of you will probably have... Uh, ripped out of your minds with good reason but um that was i think technically that is who i was acting for um was Tanoon's company um because of course the injunction at that time was to try to stop the sale of the club to sangard um because lex dominus excuse me said that they had a right to buy the club um and they said if the club's sold it's gone there's nothing we can do about that so we want to stop selling the club in the meantime and of course in the end it, it worked out one way uh, and here we find ourselves two years later um, back in a not you, dissimilar I, I'll, position.
2: I'll, yeah, I won't ask you if you've any regrets at this point. But, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I Obviously, I think overall it probably was the, the right thing. It was the right thing that had to happen at the time. Uh, but, Absolutely. Yeah, as Absolutely you say, it we're, was. We're, we're two years down the line and and now we're in, in a different situation and that's sort of why yeah. we, we've brought you in for your expertise on, on this yeah. subject. Yeah. Um, you know, mo- our, our, most of our um, experience with the legal profession is is whenever Nathan's been arrested. Um, <laughs> so we, we 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 we're seeing these statements currently between Charlie Mevin, of course, who, who fans will know uh, has has just sort of come out the back of a, a failed takeover bid, um, and now he's claiming that there's been a, a breakdown in an exclusivity agreement between his his mob. And and Sandgard's mob, and there yeah. appears to be a threat now of some sort of legal action to either get some sort of deposit back or um, of other monies out of the out of Thomas Sandgard. I mean, it, it's it's baffling as as are a lot of legal proceedings to people who aren't generally involved in. It. In, in your view, can you tell us? what you think's happening, what you think might be likely to happen. And and both sides have said it's unlikely to affect any future sales. So is that the way you see that as well?
7: That That's the fundamentally important thing to me, because my concern about all of this was that what Metham was saying was, well, look, I had the opportunity to buy the club. I had an agreement that you said you'd negotiate with with me. You said you would let me buy the club, in effect, if we met certain conditions. You're saying we haven't met those conditions. We're saying we have. He said, he said. Uh, And so we're going to go to the courts and get them to work it out. And in the meantime, you can't sell the club because if you do, what we were entitled to buy will be gone and we won't be able to get it back. And so it seems to me, certainly from what Methven was saying in his first statement, I guess, um, was uh, that he was going to be pursuing some kind of injunctive relief similarly to, to, to what went on last time. It now looks like that's not what he's saying. Now it looks like he's saying that, um, you know, we we really love the fans. Club's a great club. We wouldn't want to do anything at all to jeopardise the club. Um, We've only ever had its best interests at heart. You know, suddenly they've discovered they were Charlton fans all along. Uh, And yeah, so they're now saying they're not going to interfere with any future sale now it would be a bit odd for them to u-turn on that approach it doesn't sound like that's the approach they're taking um and it sounds like effectively they're trying to narrow the issues down to sangard are you going to give us our money back um because again by the sounds of it there was a a deposit um which may or may not have been non-refundable depending on who you ask um they're not that uncommon i should say in in sort of business or contractual kind of sale purchase agreements um not necessarily anyway, Um, so it might well be that they've fronted up hundreds of thousands of pounds and Sangard's thought, well, I think they haven't complied with their obligations under the contract, so I'm going to take it and walk away, Um, and, you know, if they've agreed to something that means, excuse me, that means it's ambiguous and that they've um, given up however many tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, and left themselves in a position where Sangard could walk away with that, well, more for them um is is my uh unconsidered legal view
2: of that it's not it's not a bad business model is it just to get people to inadvertently (laughs) give you a few hundred thousand pounds every now and then and and you get to keep it i mean from the outside looking in and this might be an unfair question but do you think there's likely to be any basis on on the argument at the moment Do do you think thomas might owe them that money back
7: I will give the uh, the classic lawyers answer which is that it would depend on what the contracts say it's it's possible either way um, and <clears throat> the difficulty about all of this is that they're just both saying completely opposite things to rich Corley seemingly exclusively slash to the athletic um and I mean, who cares? Who, who, who are they talking to? Because the, the, the impression I'm getting from, from this back and forth, it looks a lot to me like the sorts of letters that I write and that solicitors write all the time, where we say, look, we're totally right. You're all morons. You're definitely going to lose in court. You're definitely going to have to give us our money back. So agree to do it by 14 days time. And here's my bank details. And then you write the letter back that says, no, you're an idiot and you're completely wrong. And We're definitely going to win in court. There's no way we're giving you your money back. And also we want some money in return. So they're doing that. But in the press, um, this is seemingly part of what Mehta does, uh, trying to get sort of fans on side, trying to position himself in a certain way. Don't really know what, what he thinks the game is, because it seems tolerably clear that the, that the ownership of Charlton is, is no longer a possibility for him unless he's, going to be prepared to stump up more cash and even then we know that sangard's ego is such but i suspect that now that methman's dissed him publicly he wouldn't do a deal with him anyway um regardless of the almost regardless of the money so um i i don't know what who they think they're impressing um making muppets of themselves in the press um but that's uh that's the the, the approach they've both decided to take
2: yeah well- you would be surprised. It does seem to have impressed some fans around and <laughs> about there who who sort of has obviously been in contact with Charlie Bevan. You certainly make right. uh, being a lawyer sound a lot easier than than I realized I didn't realise you could call each other idiots <laughs> in letters. But um there you go. Um, obviously, um...
7: There's special there's special words you can use. So if you say we are extremely surprised, it means you know you're a bellet and sort of uh that's yeah. the there's, there's definitely we, we
2: translation. To, we we used to have this phrase in my in my day job where we used to describe someone as a prickly character if they were a prick. <laughs> um, but there you go, right, obviously, you represent the um uh the the supporters trust uh, the trust have put out a, a statement yes. this week do you, do you want to let us know a little bit about where you guys first of all obviously I'll, I'll let i'll let you say where you guys see see the situation at the moment, how you feel about what's going on uh, and and I have opened it up to questions as well, so we might get a couple of questions coming in from the listeners great
7: um yeah i mean the, the supporters' trust statement this week effectively says what I've just said, which is Fans don't care about this. Fans shouldn't have to know about this. If you're serious about legal action um, and indeed you're saying it doesn't affect the club, then in particular we don't care. Um, But do that between your lawyers. Um, Don't drag fans into this. Don't somehow continue to make it about the club and about the team. Now, look, we're not naive. We appreciate that Sangard is involved in all of this stuff. If he's got um, money that he's spending on one thing, he's not spending it on another thing. It's pretty clear that he's no longer really interested in in spending much money um, on the club. So I... I think the, the sort of first and foremost thing to say about the position of the Sporters Trust and the things that we're hearing from our members and from all fans um, is that they are just absolutely sick of this. Um, and if Sangard isn't prepared to commit to Charlton in any meaningful way anymore, um, then he needs to sell to someone who is. And of course, we had our concerns, as did I think all fans, not many fans, um, about whether Methven and his mob were were that person, were that entity, whether they genuinely did intend to invest in the club. Um, and, you know, the, you will remember and will have seen and maybe we're at the the all-fan group meeting um, where we talked about the, the fans' charter and about sort of setting down in black and white because it's sometimes easy to say, oh, well, you know, this is what we think an owner should, should sort of feel like, but you don't always put it down um, in writing and, and have a sort of clear sense of what that is. Um, so I think the um, putting that down in writing has been very helpful, but it includes that, you know, owners will engage properly with fans um, and actually prioritise that. Um, and Also, that they'll invest in Charlton's present and its future. Um, And so if Sangard isn't prepared to do that, then cast has been very clear for a a long time um, that he needs to, to, that Sangard needs to sell up um, and sell up to somebody who's got a genuine interest in in funding the club. Um, Of course, the tricky thing about all of this uh, is that for now, he is seemingly paying the bills. Um, and that's why, Louis, when you talk about, you know, was what happened two years ago the right outcome? Um, I would say the answer is yes, because we know that the people who were in situ then um, were not, were intending to do the opposite of paying the bills. They were taking money and resources out of the club to, to the, the, the the biggest extent possible. Um, and, you know, Sangod hasn't done that in fairness to him and he has put in a lot of his own money. Uh, and I suppose there's a limited amount of credit you have to give someone for that. He must have been aware that that was what running a football club in League One in England looked like when he bought the club. But but there you have it. Um, so, Cast is calling, as ever, um, for stability. But we are very alive to the risks of a club in our situation falling prey to ESI Mark Three, um, and and that's a risk that we are we are very very aware of and and, and obviously extremely keen to avoid.
3: I've just got a quick question for you because yeah. um, uh, I, I work in sales so basically if um, I know that someone um, plays plays games then um, I'm much less inclined to, to work with them um, on yeah. favourable terms so does the way that this has played out it sort of impact Sangard's future ability to either sell or get investment in terms of not only the, the vendors but especially legal teams starting with a position of, of real distrust of, of Sangar based on MFN's versions of events. Yeah,
7: very possibly. Yeah, very possibly. Um, I, my really excellent question. Um, because it it feeds into this question of uh, who would buy Charlton? Who would buy Charlton as we as we currently stand? I said to Louis in the week, unless one of us is going to win the Euro Millions and just you know buy it all, and and or you know got some anonymous, uh, very wealthy, very generous donor. Um, who? who's going to buy a club that doesn't own its assets, its key assets, being the valley and the training ground, um, that has all sorts of loans now to Sandgard? I mean, you know, who knows what terms he'd be prepared to sell on. But, you know, it's important to remember that there's quite a significant loan liability to, to Sandgard. Incredible amount of mess with with Roland and, and all of the things that are tied up. Um, and who knows what's been going on well we know a lot of what's been going on under Sangard's ownership um but you know potential legal claims from former employees um potential claims from others that he's not been dealing with in good faith perhaps we, we, we don't know but you're right it, it's it's very likely if you are a legitimate businessman looking at a legitimate trying to find a legitimate business opportunity are you looking at charlton in light of the last four, five, ten, whatever years, um, and very possibly you're not, Uh, and and I suppose that really puts us in a position where the door is further opened to people with, you know, bad faith, people who don't intend to buy Charlton to to get it back to where it should be, um, but who actually see an opportunity. Uh, and I think I, I totally agree, Joe. I think there's every chance that all this um, makes it much more difficult to get someone legit involved.
2: Right, we've got a couple of questions that have come in, in the comments. So Sam is asking, um, is Sangard still paying Roland or does Thomas now own 100% of the club? So the, the club it is he owns, but it's the stadium, which is obviously part of the problem that Roland exactly. still Exactly.
7: Exactly. So Roland still owns the Valley and the Training Ground, ultimately, through several um, several corporate entities here and in, in Belgium. Um, and he, again, he can charge whatever he wants in the way of rent. Now, up to now, and again, in fairness to him, um, the rent has not been ludicrous particularly for you know the property that it is the location that it is um but this is again and and coming on to slightly different topic but you know fan ownership which gets brought up a lot um it's one of the great difficulties in trying to come up with a a cohesive and coherent fan ownership plan is unless the, the the entity that owns charlton also owns the valley and the training ground you're totally at the behest and at the whim of of roland in effect because if, or if you want to play at the value you are um because it, it's open to roland to wake up in whenever the lease comes to an end and say well actually i want 10 million pound a year uh and you know you can come up with a fan ownership model that covers a lot of the operating costs but even at the current rent i mean I, I think from memory it's 400 grand a year now um for the valley and the training ground even that is a massive amount of money to find you know you think about fan ownership you think about being able to come up, do you know, a, a one-time push, one-time fundraise to come up with the money to buy the club, and we've seen that with clubs like Portsmouth and, and Hearts, where they're bought out of administration, and so the administrators are prepared to accept a, a different amount. But when you're then thinking about having to continue to raise that money every single year to cover not only the massive wage bill, not only the significant operating costs, when you've got a, a stadium our size and and a, and a club our size, um, operating in League One um, but then also having to find hundreds of thousands of pounds a year in rent and you kind of start to see that yes Thomas owns 100% of the football club Charlton Athletic Football Company Limited which runs Charlton Athletic and the women's team Um, but also while Roland is still you know holding on to those assets um, in a sense you know he's got a a form of ownership of, of things that are important to us, things that are
5: important to Charlton. Mm, yeah,
2: and that's part of the, uh, the pickle we find ourselves in. We're probably going to go over mm. so slightly over time. I hope you don't mind, Lauren, because we've got a couple more questions no, that have come in. No, sorry, I'm, um, hell... I've been talking a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's your job, I, I guess. Uh, all hell let loose says, the Mepham group uh, say they were unable by EFL regulations to pay 90% of the ongoing costs with regards to the running of the club. Um, is, is that your understanding of that as well? Is, is that something you're, you're aware of?
7: Yeah, so this is part of the concern, again, that, that cast had and I had about um, this arrangement, you know, where they're bringing in their people. And we've seen, you know, we saw the people, the finance, the, the CEO, COO that, that come in. Um, and, of course, Dean Holden, who's sort of slightly the odd one out, because, of course, he's still there and the others have left. Um, and for my part, I would like him to to hang around. But I, I guess we're going to have to to see what happens there. Um Part of the concern we had about that arrangement was exactly that, that EFL regulations are are tight on this, understandably. Now, not as tight as they need to be. And the white paper that's been published uh, over the last couple of weeks is hopefully going to lead to some legislation that deals with better financial regulation around football, but also better control of who's in charge of football clubs. But this is exactly why, right? Because the idea that you could be a sort of person who's semi-committed to buying a football club, Um, You haven't gone through, perhaps, the requisite checks. And the EFL does checks on who these people are, money laundering. Where's this money coming from? Um, Contrary to, you know, what you would think about the EFL sort of just working this out on the back of an envelope. In theory, at least, they do do proper checks about this. And, of course, the famous owners and directors test, the fit and proper persons test, as it used to be known, um, which is hopeless and rubbish and is a test which would allow Matt Southall to still own a football club. Matt Southall wanted to own a football club, notwithstanding that he has been bankrupt in the past, notwithstanding that he's got judgments against him, notwithstanding everything we know about him, owners and directors test isn't strong enough to prevent him from still being a football club owner. So, you know, setting aside that it's rubbish, these checks have to be done on people who are gonna be involved in football clubs. Um, and so it was a concern, right, that that these people were coming in, potentially funding the club, but actually not, not the owners. Um, so and and the last thing we wanted was to end up in another embargo situation and that would be disastrous uh, look at the gaps look at the the gaps that need plugging in our in our side and i know we've been talking about them you've been talking about them for for most of the show and and all the comments are saying the same thing you know we're all right the middles all right but a lot of work needed up front obviously and and some at the back too so um anything that risks an embargo was obviously going to be a, a complete nightmare. Um, so potentially it's for the best that that, that arrangement's um, been been drawn to a close. But we should say, and this is something CAST has been looking into, we liaise with the, with the EFL quite a lot um, on these kinds of issues, and have a decent, decent working relationship with them to the extent that you can have a decent working relationship with the EFL. Um, uh, we are pushing them as to whether there are any implications arising out of what's gone on.
2: Hmm. the the irony being of course that our summer transfer window suggests we were under a self-imposed embargo anyway right
7: uh, right yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah, three 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 more questions and then i'll let you go so this one's just coming from all hell let loose at other clubs the local council owns the home ground is there any chance of the royal borough of greenwich buying the valley is that something that that, again the trust have thought about it's not something that has crossed my mind before
7: so we mark Bachelor on our board uh, is a, a planning consultant planning expert he's worked for local authorities and he he's um he's a consultant runs his own business now um so Mark is our kind of planning guy and we've worked talked a lot about this issue because of course the protecting the valley is really fundamental, and there are plenty of us on the on the cast board um who you know would find it very difficult to imagine seeing charlton um watching Charlton play anywhere else right I and mean, certainly for me I I was born in 92 so I, I don't have any memory of a time before we were, were back at the valley. Um, I don't think there is any being realistic I don't think there is any prospect of, of Greenwich buying the valley but not least because um, Roland's still saying that the valley and Sparrows Lane are worth 50 odd million pounds. Um, now we cast have looked at this quite a lot obviously as part of the The prep work we were doing about buying the club potentially out of administration who knew at the time but back in in 2020 when it was all kicking off Um, and a more realistic valuation we think is somewhere in the sort of mid-20s of millions which obviously is still uh, still a lot of money either way um, I think it would be impossible for Greenwich to to justify spending that much public money um, on on Charlton on, on buying Charlton and, and on Charlton's fans, right? You, know, you imagine other fans of other football clubs living in the borough alone would have something to say about their council tax being spent on the on buying the ground. I mean, we have done um, asset of community value protection on on the Valley that at least. Um, puts us in a position where if there's a proposal to sell it um, and that's not to sell the company that owns it I should say but actually to sell the ground so to developers or something similar um, we would be able effectively cast would be able to put a six-month embargo on that plan and to see whether we could raise the funds and, and in reality we think get public opinion on our side get there to be outrage in the press get Gary Lineker tweeting about it no doubt and that kind of thing to kind of make clear to people that this is unacceptable um but yeah in 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 brief which I think is it's too late for that but I, I sadly I don't think there's any chance of um of, of the local council buying the value as great an idea as it is and my my, my partner down he's a Chesterfield fan he's has a and season ticket uh but he's originally from Chesterfield um and and they they've had a similar. They've had similar um, input from the local council in the past. There's been loans, you know, inter- non-interest-bearing loans. Um, so there are ways that it has been done. But I think the scale of Charlton, the the, the amount of money that would be needed um, and the complexities, again, the legal complexities of the ownership, um, I think pretty unlikely to, to go anywhere.
2: Excellent. Right. I've got two more. So one that I won't put to you is one that Sam's just asked about, the white paper. But Sam, if you go back a couple of shows, we had Heather... Uh, from the trust on as well to talk about that. So she gives us quite a good detail on that. So this is the second last question mm-hmm. and it's two combined. So Andrew said, uh, could Cast target a list of wealthy potential owners and try and market, promote the club to them to facilitate a sale. And at the same time, Paul said, you know, is it better the devil, you know, with Thomas Sangard?" So I'm going to combine those into one question. So I think the yeah. trust have made it quite clear that they don't think this current devil is, is, is one that's worth knowing for too much longer. So is that an option that the, the trust, would be out there you know trying to trying to encourage people to come and buy the club come and come and give them the the sales brochure about you know not the charlie Mevin sales brochure but, but your own one
7: <laughs> this is something that we've talked about a lot talked about it in relation to the potential purchase back in 2020 when we were thinking about launching our club and asking people to to you know put their hands up would you be able to support us financially if we were trying to buy the club out of administration we thought at that time um, and and there is precedent for this so Portsmouth when they I've used these examples already but when Portsmouth did this they had I think they called them presidents and they had a list or a, a group rather of, of really wealthy um, fans and, and, and local people who were prepared to really front up some cash and um, and I guess they probably got their money back when they sold the club to the Americans. I don't know what the what the structure there was. Um, so they did it. Hearts had Anne Budge, I think her name was. And she was a very local, uh, very wealthy local woman who was prepared to sort of effectively bankroll the club and until such time on behalf of the supporters trust until such time as they were able to to self-sustain. Um, so there is precedent for it. Um, and we it is very much part of a sort of contingency plan that cast has got for um for for what we would do if things got really drastic. Because I mean there's no question we would we would have to do something, right? If 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 we got to a position where we were looking down the barrel of insolvency whether that was you know an administration or something else I think administration is most likely um, then yeah for sure there would be uh, approaches to, to wealthy local people because I think in reality that's the only way you're going to be able to get enough cash to to make it viable I think you know we would all put our, our hands in our pockets for for the club I'm sure but people can't people can't fund you, know, you look at the losses that Charlton made and 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 again, in fairness to him, the money that Thomas Sangard has fronted up, I mean, yes, lots of it in the form of loans. So let's see what, what happens to that. Um, but unless you've got you know, tens of millions of pounds of cash sitting around, it, it's just not viable. And importantly, linking back to an earlier question, you're not going to be able to satisfy the EFL. So the EFL has to be satisfied of the source and sufficiency of your funding. So it's not enough to say, oh, well, we hope some wealthy people are going to come out of the woodwork. You've got to have people there. They're your source. You've got to say, well, we've got, you know, 10,000 fans that have committed to X amount by direct debit every month for 12 months or whatever it might be. And we've got these, you know, these millionaires who are prepared to, to give us some cash up front. And then sufficiency. Um, it's kind of hard to know what that looks like, but but we know it's, it's a, a lot of money. Um, and uh yes, it would absolutely inevitably and invariably have to include um wealthy people. And um, but this is why, you know, going tying back into the white paper, having an independent unit to to look at the finances of football clubs, to, to be able to um to ascertain where this money is coming from, and that there's a stable source of it, that you can't do what you know in, Thomas Sangod could do tomorrow, which is just turn the tap off. Um that's the the precariousness of our position, and that's why, in a sense, Paul Glover's "better the devil you know" question um, is is a really valid point um, because he has he hasn't allowed the club to go in, into insolvency, he hasn't you know hasn't put the club into administration as as we've seen other owners in football do when they you know run out of money and or get bored. Um, so there is um, still as ever seemingly with Charlton, masses of uncertainty. Uh, And unfortunately, unless and until we get somebody in who is prepared to make a proper commitment and and convince the fans, which is going to take some doing after everything that's gone on uh, with Charlton over the last few years, um, I think we are always going to have that spectre hanging over us. It makes the end of this season even more depressing because, yes, we know there's nothing more to do, right? We know there's nothing else. Well, we hope. We hope there's not going to be a relegation uh, scrap but we hope that's kind of it for the season uh, and how many times have we all said over and over again oh well the next window the next window the next window and how many owners have said it's the next window um but if the next window is another one Louis where as you say effectively well we may as well be on, under a transfer embargo because no one's going to put any money up to buy anyone um then you know what what does next season look like and the season after that um,
2: yeah. very yeah that, that, that's that's the bit i've struggled with at the moment is that there's, there's still no light at the end of the tunnel yeah um right final question i promise um this is from small bear uh what are the next steps for the trust and the wider fan base uh, with regards to sangar's ownership are we approaching formal process and just just to take it a step slightly further so um. you know I'm, I'm sure the trust are well aware of this but there are elements of the fan base who who always say the trust should be doing more the, the trust should be more in your face yeah. they, they, they should be putting pressure on you know I, I was sat with a uh, a fan on, on a train home yesterday you know someone who I, I know more through social media than in person but that's the great thing about away days you get to yeah. chat to, to different viewpoints and that and he was he, he was on the impression the trust the trust don't do enough so what, what would be your answer to, to that
7: yeah I hear that I mean I, I and I do hear I, I literally hear that and uh, from people and on social media as well and um, for me the reason I joined the trust board back in 2020 was that I saw that there was a risk of insolvency I thought that the ownership at the time was so lacklustre and useless that there was a risk that a winding up petition would land on the doormat no one would do anything about it we'd go under almost by mistake And I wanted to kind of be around to, to make sure that um that, that there was someone who knew something about it at least who could kind of help out and and I'd like to think that I did that in some way. Um, But through cast, I mean, I I couldn't have done that on my own. We are stronger and better as a unit and as a unified body of fans. And that is something that Charlton has really struggled with, I think, in in recent years, is having a unified together fan base. Um, And at times it has become incredibly toxic. And I think, you know, perhaps we're we're getting back to that kind of place. Um, So I suppose, first off, I would advocate um, a bit more um, of a sort of realization that we are in this together. That cast is is for fans. We are for Charlton fans, for Charlton, um, for the past, present, and future of the club, um, and for making sure. And then when I um, when when the court case happened, I, I remember getting a um, DM on Twitter that had me in tears from a guy who had just had a kid and said, "I really thought I might never be able to take her." Down to the valley, and now I know that I'll be able to. And thank you. Um, and it, well, you know, I wasn't the person to thank, but just that—that's that what it's about, right? That's all any of us at Cast are trying to do is make sure that what we've got and the, the feelings that we have for Charlton are something that the next generation, you know, my my kids, perhaps, and and, and Louis, your daughter, can can have in the future. Um, there is always going to be disagreement. Among the fan base, about what we could or should be doing, um, part of the uh, kind of call for protest stems from a feeling that there's little we can do, right? That that we're kind of useless. That that fans can't do anything. That it's all a bit hopeless and helpless. I totally get that. I completely understand that, and the cast completely understands that. Um, there is a lot of work that's boring and and not particularly sexy that goes on in the background that is important in in trying to preserve and protect the club for the future and i hope i've sort of explained a little bit of that today as far as protest goes and and this links back to 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 joe's question earlier i think airing our dirty laundry in public at a time where the club is trying to attract investment and trying to attract legitimate, proper people who want to take it forward isn't always the best solution. Right. So the idea of, of when there are we're being told by lots of people, legitimate, interested parties, it's for me personally, and I, I think for the trust as well, it has struck us that. The idea of making clear that we're going to make things very difficult for anyone coming in in the future isn't necessarily the best one. right? Everyone's clear that Sangard needs to go. And even still, he's been saying, well, i'm I am going. i, I i'm I'm selling up. I'm trying to find someone to sell to. So it's not I'm not sure what a protest would would intend to achieve at this point, you know, with Roland, it was very much that, we wanted to make clear to him that it was untenable for him to remain the owner of Charlton because he wanted seemingly to stay in place um, and that obviously uh, ended up being being what was achieved um, for, for better or for worse is an argument for another day um, but now Sangard obviously has got fed up and has m- maybe run out of the free money to to spend on this and is, is on the way seemingly in one way or another um, I'm not sure at present what uh, protest therefore would achieve uh, so that's my that's my sense. Um, I also feel um, that we have still got an owner who's paying the bills and I, I I know I keep saying this I know I keep harking back to this and I should be really clear that that is not enough right that that total lack of any real ambition just you know writing checks and and not paying any attention is rubbish um, and it's inadequate. Um, and it is completely um, unbefitting, unbecoming of anyone who owns Charlton Athletic Football Club. Um, so that that I hope kind of goes without saying. Um, but what would any of us do if? So so we you know we protest, we tell Sangar we want him out. We tell Sangar we don't want him to be. Inf- Sorry, I think I've. Oh
2: yeah, your uh, your headphones died on us there, Lauren. Yeah, so... I I <laughs> um,
7: yeah. you know what if what if he does that right? What if we say off you go and he says fine, see ya. Um, then what? Um, And that's the concern, is that if you haven't got a plan B, if you haven't got the backup, if you haven't got somebody there um, who is is prepared to come in, who satisfied us as well as the EFL and the the other authorities, that they're properly interested in Charlton and genuinely um, want to be uh, part of our club's future um, and to to do it in the way that it should be done, um, then what what are we asking for? Uh, So, For now, and as of, you know, the the recent months, that I think has been um, cast's view, obviously drawing fans together, having the all fans meeting. um, And, you know, we do, we talk to fans from all parts of the fan base. I personally have been at The Oak talking to fans from parts of the fan base who are very critical of cast. It's not about... Politics. It's not about who's prettier. It's about Charlton. That's all any of us want. Um, so I guess I would say uh, to people, as as uh, Andrew Wiffen has said in the comments, um, the number of cast members carries weight when lobbying. Right? It it it, it means that we are uh, someone people want to talk to. Um, because one or two fans alone, you know, you're 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 crying out, and no one's listening. Because how do you get noticed? How do you get heard? Cast has got thousands of members. We've got thousands of Chant fans. When we speak, we can say we're speaking on behalf of a really significant body of the of the or part of the fan base. Um, and the more people that join and get involved and get on the board and, and make their own views heard, if they're different from the way Cast operates now, the better. It can only improve um, the, the 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 strength of, of Cast as a as Andrew says, as a lobbying body, but but also as a, an organisation that gets stuff done. Um, So that is, that is my, uh, my, my plea to people is join cast, get involved, come to things, get on the board, send us emails. Even if you don't want to join us, even if you don't want to pay the five pounds, that's absolutely fine. Email us. We respond. We, we consider it. We meet monthly. We talk about things that fans want us to talk about. um, And we are all about Charlton and looking after Charlton and achieving what everyone wants, which is Charlton back in the, back in the Premier League and back to the, the glory days of, of a well-run,
2: stable football club. Yeah, something we can all but dream about for now, right, Lauren? Um, as Paul says in the in the comments, thanks for your hard work and and for your time today. That was really absolutely fascinating. Um, I think the fact that our, all of our, uh, our headphones and that are starting to give up the ghost suggests maybe we should log off now. So uh, we've gone slightly over time, but thanks to everyone who's joined us on on the live stream this morning, uh, Lauren in particular. Thank you for your time. That was that was really fascinating um yes. joe and tom as always uh, an absolute pleasure to speak to you especially now that we found out in the comments that tom actually looks a little bit like michael owen uh <laughs> so it looks like michael owen sounds like lewis cat that's 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 what tom Wollins all about now um right thanks to everyone who's joined us on the live stream thanks to everyone who's uh listened back on the podcast don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel um, at charlton live the more subscribers we get the more powerful we could be as a lobbying body as well. But also, we, we just need a load of... <laughs> we just need the subscribers to, to keep this going. Uh, right, I'm Louis Meadows. Thanks for your time. Uh, we shall see you all again on Thursday when we look ahead to next week's home game uh, with Accrington Stanley. We'll see you later. <laughs>